It's a simple enough question. And for once, Jesus appears to give a fairly direct answer. The disciples have heard Jesus speaking about forgiveness. It's something he talked about a lot. And perhaps they've understood how their deep need to be forgiven, to be forgiven by others, to be forgiven by God, to be able to forgive themselves, is echoed in Jesus' call on them to forgive other people. But when and how, and here's the question that Peter comes with, how often? And when he asks this question, should I forgive as many as seven times, I think it's fairly clear he's not talking about seven unrelated offences, random occurrences. The question which was bothering him is, I think, a question which bothers us. It's a question which is genuine and important and difficult and a question which can also become our get-out card, our excuse. If we are to embrace Jesus' teaching about forgiveness, what do we do when someone does wrong and gets forgiven and then takes advantage of that forgiveness by going on to sin again, to wrong us or others again in the same way? The forgiven thief who is entrusted with money and steals again. The abusive partner who begs forgiveness only to continue the pattern of abuse. How many times, Peter says, should I forgive? How often do I forgive only to be betrayed or hurt again? Do I really have to go through that seven times? 77 times? Or 70 times seven? Jesus' answer is, of course, ridiculous. Forgiveness, he implies, is to be, in effect, unlimited. Not kept count of. Because, as he would often say, that is how we need to be forgiven by God. Honestly, if I thought of how I fail, how many times I make the same mistakes or do the same quite deliberate wrong things and come back to God asking forgiveness, if the limit was seven or even 77 or probably even 70 times seven, it wouldn't be enough. Seven times, says Peter, Seven times, Jesus replies, no, don't keep count. I think this is at the same time one of the most important declarations of our faith. And at the same time, one of the most badly abused doctrines of the Christian church. This passage, this instruction of Jesus has been used throughout history to tell victims to just suck it up. 
to tell women in particular to return to violent husbands, to tell children to forgive the abuse that's been done to them, to tell indigenous peoples to get over the wrongs of history, to tell victims in general that Jesus' teaching is to forgive those who've hurt them and move on. And even if it happens again, to just forgive again and move on. Because isn't that what God does? Forgives us without limit. Isn't that exactly what Jesus here tells us to do? Yes. We are told to forgive without keeping count. But let's be careful with the word forgive. Our reading from the second letter to the church at Corinth is also about forgiveness. In passing, it contains a wonderful description, almost a definition of forgiveness. Paul writing is encouraging the church to forgive a member of their community who has done something wrong. We don't know what, but who has hurt them and him as a community. And in appealing to them to forgive him, Paul writes, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Reaffirm your love. I'd suggest that that is actually the core of forgiveness. What it isn't, what Jesus isn't talking about is forgive and forget. If you ask me, that's actually one of the most harmful phrases in the English language. Genuinely forgetting harm that someone has done is not only impossible, but downright dangerous. Indeed, I'd go as far as to say that it is unloving. If someone we love has a weakness that leads them to harm us or others or themselves, then to forget is to place them and others and ourselves back into danger. We might forgive a friend who is an alcoholic for hurt that they cause when they're drunk, but we don't forget. Instead, informed by the experience, we might intervene earlier, or at very least not invite them as often to join us at the pub and make sure that there isn't alcohol around when it might be abused. We don't forget when we forgive. And what, for that matter, do we say to the one who has been hurt if we speak of forgive and forget? Are we saying that if they truly remember the pain that they have suffered, they haven't really forgiven, they haven't done what God calls them to? To forgive is not to forget. 
And it also isn't to pretend or act as if the offence did not occur. Sometimes that might be the way, but by no means always. To forgive is not to pretend that the past is different from the truth. Forgiveness is the reaffirmation of love, not the denying of the reality. Forgiveness may well be the offer of reconciliation, but it is made in the light of the truth. Not through some fig leaf of an imagined different past, denying the reality. Forgiveness is refusing to allow that offence to be the only factor in the future of the relationship. But it's still there. The core of forgiveness is the reaffirmation of love. What that might look like in practice will always depend upon the circumstance. For forgiving another does not mean lightly giving back to them the power to reoffend. Sometimes it might. Sometimes the one who has hurt us needs to be and perhaps can be trusted and may need to know that they are. We know that surely from forgiving a child for the wrong they have done. That sometimes the opportunity to do wrong again is the opportunity not to and is the trust they need. But that is not always the way and it is not automatically the way and it is not unreflectively the way of forgiveness. Because it is not unforgiving to say to somebody, I love you and forgive you, but I can't trust you with this right now. It is not unforgiving to say, I love you, but I'm not going to let you hurt me again. When Jesus speaks of forgiveness and our need for it, his words always come back to our relationship with God and others' relationship with us. He always brings it back to our need standing before God of forgiveness and the grace of God that offers that forgiveness to us. Not forgetting, for surely God does not forget. But not letting the past be the only thing to determine the future. Jesus' challenge in forgiveness is that we offer the grace that we have received from God to others. 
So what is it that we need when we come to God, naked of our pretensions and excuses and defences and self-justification, when we come in all truth before God, when we finally dare to confess our darkest side to God, or harder still, when we finally come to confess that to another human being. What is it that we really need from them? Do we want them to say, consider it forgotten, we'll pretend it never happened? Or do we want to hear them say, I hear you. What you are telling me about yourself is hard to hear. It's a darkness that neither of us wants to think about. But I hear you and I still love you. If seeking to offer forgiveness to another means letting them hurt you again in the same way, it is not doing the best that love can do. Love forgiving seeks ways to protect the wrongdoer from their temptation. And this, it seems to me, is where the assumption that lies behind Peter's question of Jesus breaks down. Because I think the assumption behind that question, the assumption between our question when we ask, do we keep forgiving, is do we keep pretending it didn't happen? No, not seven times, not even once. That isn't for forgiveness we need when we come before God. We don't seek the forgiveness before God of the past being changed, of the past not of happening. We don't seek the forgiveness of lying about the past. We seek the forgiveness which says, despite the past, we are loved. This is what you've done. This is what you're like. This is who you are, God says to us. And I know that. And I've always known that. And I love you. How much better is that than a forgiveness which was God saying, oh, pretend that never happened. I'll pretend you're not the person who did that wrong. Because then I'll be able to love you. Doesn't that make God's love conditional? Doesn't that make it as if God only loves an idealized version of us? A version of us which we know all too well doesn't match the reality as if God could only love a person who hadn't sinned, 
a person who doesn't truly exist. But God doesn't love the idealized person that we would like to be. God doesn't love us by denying the truth about us. Love does not deny the truth. Forgiveness does not pretend. Forgiveness does not change the past. It looks at it with clear vision and with love. True forgiveness is to know the darkness in another soul and still love as God knows the darkness in us and still loves. So forgive and forget, no. Know the truth about another and still love as you are known and still loved. 77 times, even 70 times, seven times. Amen.